How could anyone be upset about a crowded worship service? It really is a wonderful blessing to be able to gather in a, in a large group to listen to God's Word and to sing God's praises. There really is. There's something special about a full church, maybe on a Christmas Eve, or a special Reformation service, or Easter Sunday. The singing sounds different when you have a full church joining together in it. We haven't had a lot of those sorts of church services lately, though, have we? No, we've kind of gone the other way. We've even added some worship services here or there so that the individual services wouldn't be quite as full. We've had people who have stayed at home, who've watched online, because they're not certain that any sort of crowd is appropriate based on things they've seen and heard. And I understand that we're in a unique situation, and I get this vantage point up here where I kind of have my reserved space for me. But thankfully, I don't, I don't ever recall hearing someone upset about the fact that a worship service was full. People have acknowledged it, said things like, well, it was a full church today, wasn't it? We've even had to uh, make a run to the church office to print more worship folders to bring them over here on occasion, or at times just had to squeeze a little more tightly into the pews so that everyone could fit. In the scripture reading in front of us, in front of us this morning, we hear just the last portion of what was taking place in a crowded worship service in a town called Pisidian Antioch. And people then were actually really upset when they saw what the book of Acts tells us was almost the whole town gathered together to be part of a special service. Now let's consider a little more context to help us understand the verses on which we're focusing today. Paul and Barnabas were making their way from place to place on a missionary journey. That journey brought them to various towns, and then it brought them to a town called Antioch in the region of Pisidia. Now, there are other Antiochs mentioned in the Bible. That's why you'll hear this one commonly referred to as Pisidian Antioch. They stopped in that town on the Sabbath day. And as you may recall, the Sabbath day was a day for the, the Old Testament Jewish believers to do no work, but what they could do, and they often did do, was gather around God's Word for worship. It's what many people did in the town of Antioch that morning as well. Well, recognizing that they had some special guests with them, the people of the town, the people of that synagogue, invited Paul and Barnabas to offer a word of encouragement, or what we might call a sermon. And Paul accepted their offer. Paul spoke to them about Jesus. Paul introduced his message about Jesus by reminding the people of God's history and making promises to them and in taking a special interest in the Jewish people in particular. 
But by the time Jesus came, he explained, many of the Jews and most of their leaders did not listen to him. They opposed him. They didn't recognize who he was. And they had him killed. Paul explained that even Jesus' death was also fulfilling what had been foretold and prophesied about him. And not just his death was prophesied, but also his resurrection from the dead. He, Jesus, was, was fulfilling the prophecies that even the great King David could never live up to. The people of the synagogue listened to these missionaries. Many of them wanted to know even more. Now, that was a week before the words that have our attention this morning. That next week, the synagogue, the Jewish church, was packed with people. As we said already, Acts reports that nearly the whole town came out. And many Jews were jealous. They were filled with envy. They slandered Paul. They denied the things and contradicted the things that he was saying. And that's where today's reading picks up. Then Paul and Barnabas responded fearlessly, it was necessary that God's word be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, look, we are now turning to the Gentiles. Those Jews had rejected what Paul and Barnabas brought. They had rejected the message. They had rejected Jesus. They had rejected eternal life itself because they were so upset about a crowded church service. They were upset that these traveling missionaries had filled the synagogue in a way that they never had before. And I guess in some way I can relate to that. Can't you? Just think how I would feel if we announced that we'll have a guest preacher next week and next week I show up and this whole place is packed from wall to wall. Maybe a little hurt, probably a little jealous. And as strange as it is to think about being upset over a full church, how would you feel? if you showed up and went to your spot and somebody was already there? Or what if you couldn't even find a spot at all? Now I'm confident that maybe it's not that particular situation that would bring this out of you, but you know the feeling of jealousy and of envy in some circumstance or another, you've been in a place where your own selfishness blinded you to the good that was going on around you. You know what it is to be so focused on yourself that you don't have any concern for anyone else around you and you don't have any concern for what God might have to say about that circumstance or that situation. That was the feeling of the Jews who rejected Jesus. 
The Jews here in our account from Acts were not the first ones to reject Jesus either. We're gathering today under the theme, What Child Is This? A Light for All People. That's a continuation of the series that began with the child lying in the manger, wrapped in cloths on Christmas Eve. And our gospel account today for Epiphany Sunday shows us that same child, a little bit older, maybe a year or two. And once again, people are looking for him. It's not the shepherds this time. This time it's the wise men. Or other translations have referred to them as the magi. These were learned men who had traveled a great distance. And they went first to the place where they expected to find a newborn king. They went to the capital city. They went to Jerusalem. But he wasn't there. The people who were there were the king, Herod, and the men he asked to help him, the chief priests, the experts in the law. And when the wise men asked about the one born king of the Jews, these men sent them to Bethlehem, the birthplace of the Christ. But these men, the chief priests, the experts, even though they knew the answer, they didn't go to Bethlehem. And Herod didn't go either. Oh, he had a nefarious plan. He was going to use the wise men to scout out this opposition to his throne, and then Herod was going to go and kill him. But all these experts and leaders and high-ranking Jews in Jerusalem rejected that little child who would be the Savior, a light for all people. By the time Paul and Barnabas were preaching in Pisidian Antioch, he was not a child anymore. He had lived his life. He had conducted his ministry. He had faced all sorts of rejection all the way to the cross where he bled and he died. But he didn't stay dead either. He rose again. He proclaimed the salvation that he had won for all people. God made him to be a light for the Gentiles. He brought salvation to the ends of the earth as Paul and Barnabas quoted from Isaiah chapter 49. That light, the light of all or for all people, was on display in that little child visited by the wise men. Here they were, Gentiles, who had traveled a long way and they rejoiced, rejoiced to see this little one. They presented gifts, rich gifts, expensive gifts, generous gifts. They bowed down and they worshipped Him. We're told in the Gospel, when they had seen the guiding star pointing to the very place where this child was to be found, they rejoiced with overwhelming joy. And that same joy was evident at the synagogue in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas explained that they had to begin their ministry with the Jews. That was in keeping with God's planning, in keeping with God's purpose. But the rejection of many, not all Jews, meant that the missionaries were turning their attention almost exclusively to the Gentiles. And while certainly some Gentiles also rejected Jesus, the ones in our reading did not. 
they rejoiced. They praised God. Salvation had come to them. They had not only heard, they had also believed the best news of all. There really are only two reactions to Jesus. Two reactions to this one who was born a child to be the light of the world. There's rejection and there's rejoicing. Rejection comes naturally to all of us. Not just to the Jews who were so envious. Rejoicing, on the other hand, comes only by God's grace. Our reading says, When the Gentiles heard this, they were rejoicing and praising the word of the Lord. All who had been appointed for eternal life believed. Certainly not all Gentiles believed the message of the missionaries. But the ones who did believe believed because God led them to that faith. They believed because God appointed them, because God chose them. It wasn't because of anything in them. It wasn't because he knew he would be less envious than the Jews or that they would listen more carefully in the synagogue that day. God chose them because God loves people. So here we are. Just over a week past Christmas, just the second day into a brand new year, our church is maybe a little less full than we'd prefer it to be. It's certainly a lot colder than we had hoped for. And here we are, we still have a a stubborn, sinful streak that's always ready for jealousy and envy. But we have a gracious God. We've spent weeks preparing and now a full week considering the most special child ever born. He is a light for all people. Not for certain people. Not for a certain race of people. For all people. And that means that we get to partner with Paul and Barnabas in sharing his light with anyone and with everyone. Now that includes the stranger who wanders into church, who may not know how to act, who maybe looks differently than we do, who maybe dresses differently than we do. It includes your neighbor. You know the neighbor, the one who's always very nice to you. But remember, it also includes the other neighbor who maybe isn't so nice to you all the time. God's grace means that we get to be like the wise men as well. We get to offer up our our treasures. Treasures of our time and our talents and, yes, of our money because we have seen the light of the world who's brought salvation to us. Kind of seems absurd, doesn't it, to be upset about a crowded church? And yet, haven't we been just so selfish and envious at times? Instead of that, though, let's look to the child who is the light for all people. Though some have rejected him, 
let us rejoice in Him and share Him with others so that they might rejoice with us too. Amen.